Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and it is Mental Health Awareness Month. This is a time when we can really dig into what we already know about good mental health hygiene and what we all still have to learn. All this month, we're going to be revisiting some of our more musical episodes. We've been blessed with visits, performances, and insights from artists and guests who have made music an integral part of their mental health journeys. As you know, creative people have a high propensity for mental health challenges, and they also work with their creativity and music and writing to make sure that their mental health stays intact. I hope you enjoy these conversations with incredible artists, and we're so, so grateful to our partners at Active Recovery TMS. Active Recovery TMS is your choice for TMS in the Pacific Northwest. And with so many locations and neighborhoods, there's no reason that you can't start feeling better today, especially if you're a person who has treatment-resistant depression or treatment-resistant OCD. Active Recovery TMS is something you should definitely check out. Dr. Preetham Raj has also started offering psychotherapy at two of his locations, and he is really one of the most incredible, nuanced, skilled, and compassionate doctors that I have ever met. I think you'll love meeting the team at Active Recovery TMS. And now, from the Beyond Well Archive, May, Mental Health and Music Month. In April of 2021, we still didn't have a vaccine. We were hunkering down and quarantining, and we had a wonderful musical Zoom guest. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and once again, I'd like to show you another project that I've been working on where we explore our interior lives. It's called Chasing Chaos. COVID-19 and quarantine hit some people a lot harder than others. Creatives, performers, or anybody who made their living in front of a crowd faced a time of enormous economic hardship and psychological pain. We created this series to share some real stories and real people experiencing their mental health. And my guest today, exemplifies real. Through gutsy outpourings like her one-woman show and memoir, Crazy Enough, as a finalist on the CBS series Rockstar Supernova, as a vocalist in Pink Martini, and through her deeply personal, always captivating pajama sessions on Instagram, which I watched <laughs> everyone. How has she powered through this equally crazy world of the Ooh. pandemic? Let's find out. Please welcome Storm Large. Hello. Oh Hi, sweetie. Oh, it's oh, good, good to see, see you. you. I know. I like your rock and roll bangs, too. Yeah, You're rocking bangs. it. Even though we're like, um, you know, so zoomed out, I just so look forward to being in your presence and seeing your face. So thank you for doing this so much. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I'm all on Team Sheila. Thank you. So I want to know welcome. what classic song shouts about how you felt about this year in quarantine. Do you have a song? Oh, I don't know if there's any songs with enough swears in it. Um, Maybe like old, I think it was an old Woody Guthrie. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me. I don't give a damn. Next stop is, I guess, chewing nine. <laughs> and it's five, six, seven. Open up the pearly gates. Oh, ain't no time to wonder why. We're all going to die. Something like that. Um, it was just utterly, utterly maddening. I learned a lot. I learned early on. I learned a very interesting phrase that you might have heard of. It's a psychological term allostatic load do you know that term i want to hear more about it okay allostatic load i read about in regards to the fatigue that came from 
inactivity, basically, not being stimulated by normal life, not so much distractions, but like your social life, your work life, um, being stimulated. You know, we get tired from working a lot and moving a lot, but we also get this sort of fog and exhaustion and um, misfired uh, synapse. Um, we're forgetful, very forgetful. Like we did, we couldn't figure out what day it was. It's yeah. like groundhog day. And so for a year and constant and constant, 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 terrifying, terrible, awful, oh, cringing. Oh, uh, uh, endless, yeah. endless, um, terribleness coming in from our only source of stimulation, which was phone, computer, television. So mm-hmm. I was like, what is this even called? And I, I, I didn't, get into the etymology of allostatic, but I would imagine static being stasis or something. But allostatic load is when you are utterly exhausted from actual anxiety, not neurosis, where it's an imagined thing you're afraid of. Mm -hmm. You're constantly actually being shown things that you should be afraid of. And not just your own, but ambiently. In that bad news, in that sort of stressful thing that we were all experiencing, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's just more evidence mm-hmm. how connected we are, yeah. how we affect each other, even if we're not around each other and we haven't been around each other. But yet we are still collectively feeding and drawing from the common energy. Yeah. Uh, as hippy dippy as that sounds, it's a psychological term. It, it always feels to me like you operate on another level where one is this deeply intuitive artistic level. The other is just this, your intellect, which just shows, of course, you're looking up some scientific terminology for what's happening to our bodies. But were you able to take that information intellectually and put it into use daily? Like, did you turn off the news? Did you go for a walk every day? Did you use that information to help you stabilize your mental health? In the early, early on, first thing I did was got together with some friends and started gimmeshelterpdx.org because we yeah. were, fl- I was literally flying back from my last show with Pink Martini, which was on March 8th. So I flew home on March 9th, texting my friends going, okay, so this is huge. It's going to shut down. We need to set up a fund for performers in Oregon. And so uh, we set up a fund uh, called gimmeshelterpdx.org that gave tax-free $500 grants to performers of all stripes, burlesque, yeah. drag performers, comedians, actors, musicians, because they're a, a quantifying multiplier economy. You know, yeah. a lot of performers, when they're starting out, they're working in restaurants, they're working in bars. Those are closed. So if we could keep people in their homes, then okay, they'll stick around and we, we're going to really need our creative types to be the solution. So that was the first thing. Then I did that and it was great. But then I was like, okay, so I have to exercise every single day until I puke so I can sleep through the night. Then I started doing pajama sessions and the pajama sessions were really fun, super intimate. It was mostly just me getting crock at night going, what does anybody want to hear? Oh, <laughs> sucks. Doesn't it suck? Yeah, I know it sucks, but it was venting. So it was, it was connection for me. But then after George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor and, and, and the endless list of names. I was like, you know what? No one needs to hear from a white lady right now. As badly as I want to connect, uh, as badly as I want to be, I don't know, something joyful. And I, I even told Joanne Hardesty, she said, you know, maybe you could come and you could talk to the crowd and you could sing and you could give some, give some words of peace or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love you, but no one wants to hear from an old white lady. Those kids are all young. They have never heard of me anyway. And it's, mm. and it is not my voice that needs to be heard right now. 
Hmm. And so I just kind of shut down and I went, I drove cross country to go help my best friend bury her dad and finalize his affairs. He died of COVID. Hmm. Um, And so I was back East for a couple of months. Yeah. I just kind of shut down and I didn't, I wasn't very creative. I talked to a bunch of my creative friends. I'm like, are you writing anything right now? They're like, no, I'm not feeling it because performers in particular were, were externally motivated. We need deadlines. We need an audience. We need, mm-hmm. what are we going to do for this show tomorrow? You know, we have practice. And, and I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm not doing anything. And it was very, it was existential. It was kind of like, okay, well, what am I? You know, people say, Oh, you're not your job, but yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. I am uh-huh. my job. Yeah. I am the job, yeah. the boss, the product, yeah. the hooker, the ping pong ball trick. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm all of it. And, uh, and it's all very personal to me because it's, it's important. I don't, you know, you know me, I don't take myself seriously, but I take my job very seriously. And man, when, when you can't do it, it's very existential. You're like, well, what am I? How, what is, where is my value? It's very easy to, to lean into the comfort of applause, travel, people excited to meet you and, and all of the trappings that come with all the grueling work of being a touring musician, but without those markers and I mean, income also, let's talk about being broke without those markers. You're like, what am I even doing? But it also just kind of really reaffirmed that I want to lift people up and I want to make people feel better because I, you know, I encounter people from abusive scary childhoods like my own growing up with a mentally ill parent. I mean, when I did crazy enough and when I wrote that play and I wrote the book, so many people, so many people were just like, Oh my God, that was my mom. That was my sister. That was me. That was my dad. Oh my God. I can't believe. And I feel so much better knowing that you got through. And so there are some people, you know, I'm sure who come through situations like that or abusive homes trauma, some kind of trauma from their childhood. And they become like, love isn't real and I'm going to get mine and no one's getting close to me. And I know there's bad things around the corner. Yeah. And I went the other way. I went the way of the Labrador and just like, someone's got a cookie. Come on. You know, (laughs) I know someone's got a cookie. Hey, I here. I'll touch my butt. Oh, Yeah, let's go outside. Woo! <laughs> I mean, it's exhausting and it's a hard thing to keep up. Um, but I, I grew up because I was so lonely and saw the pain in, and I was infected with the loneliness that I saw in my mother, which was she was so just off and so different and so but so sweet. But I just saw her beat down and beat down and beat down from her illness and from her, the reaction to her illness yeah. and myself included, I wasn't nice as a teenager. I was just like, you're weak. I'm not going to be you. I'm not going to yeah. be you. And all she wanted was to be loved. And so as an adult, all I want is to be loved. And furthermore, I don't want anyone to ever feel like that. I don't want yeah. anyone to feel like that. That's when people try to kill themselves. That's when people try to hurt other people is if they feel like they don't belong and they, they, they join cults and they, they, they believe terrible things about other people. They dehumanize other people because they just don't feel like they belong anywhere. And so it's super easy to scare them. Yeah. 
Storm, I was wondering with all that time alone, and I know um, I think so many people, if you didn't have your existential crisis during this, maybe you missed an opportunity for a little reflection is what I think. Mm. But I was curious with knowing your genetic risk for mental illness, knowing that you had all this time, knowing that you faced the economic pressures, were you worried that this was going to be your tipping moment, that this was going to be perhaps your moment when an illness would show up with this kind of vengeance that you couldn't control? Yeah, I actually did have a few scary uh, when I was alone, when I was home, because all of my closest friends in Portland are married with families or their parents are still here or they have dogs and they have normal lives. And I was single and I was just totally on my own and everyone's afraid yeah. to go anywhere with anyone. And I'm so tactile and huggy and grabby. And, and that was taken away. So there were quite a few times w- where I was like, um, the things that are being said in my brain yeah. are really dark. Yep. And so I would break out my paper and I would make a list of all the most important people in my life. And I would, I would take a snapshot in my head of if something happened to me, what would they do? Mm. And absolutely that would that kept me, that kept me from doing anything. Wow. But then I got on Tinder and I was like, you know what? I could just flirt with people on Tinder. And maybe if someone lives alone like me and we could get tested or something, we can hook up or something. Um, and yeah, I got on Tinder in April and it was awesome. So that's, I was curious about that too, because I know the challenge of trying to decide whether or not you're going to have sex with someone in a normal world, let alone a pandemic world. So what were the conversations like? How long did you wait to figure out if you were actually going to meet with the person, breathe on the person, have sex with the person? Oh, well, here's the thing. I was on, I was on Tinder a bunch of years ago. Friend put me on Tinder and I was like, I don't want to be on Tinder. And, and it got really weird because people like, Oh my God, storm large. And they started hounding my social media about storms on Tinder. I'm like, okay, I can't do it. Yeah. But I was like, everybody's locked in their house. The weeding out period. will I could take my time. So kind of like with STDs, the STD conversation, Yeah. but less, less cringy. So it was like, look, I live alone. I've been car camping. My, I think my Tinder, handle said something like quarantine curious and I believe Scrabble is a contact sport. And um and so it's true. I'm a I'm not a competitive person. I'm a loving, gentle, sweet dog of a like a super lab, you know? Yeah. So competitive in Scrabble. Well we had conversations like this one boy I dated on Tinder was a home inspector and he was dressed like a beekeeper when he went to work. And he was very careful. And so I was uh, like, all right. It was like, you know, that from from uh, from Seinfeld, you know, are you sponge worthy kind of thing? And I'm like, hey, condoms. And <laughs> seriously, it saved my life. Some some sex seriously saved my life. Oh, oh yeah. And, I, I say yeah. do whatever it is you had to do to survive this last year. I was so yeah. grateful also, Storm, when you just you were so intimate and so honest on your social media about what it meant to feel deep loneliness and feel depression. And I'm curious if you ever said, should I say this or should I edit this? Or I just do this because I do believe that this is the human condition and we should be real about it. Um, I don't think my vulnerable confessions ever crossed my mind in terms of, uh, should I post this? I would edit for the sake of, cause sometimes I'll post something and I'll get a flood of text going, are you okay? What's going on? Uh-huh. Are you all right? Yeah. 
And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just venting. I'm expressing something. But it was a real good lesson when I wrote Crazy Enough that sharing some vulnerable, dark, cringing stuff that you're not necessarily proud of or that you might have handled it better, but you're still very transparent about it. It was so it collected so many people around Hmm. that had a similar experience, but did not have a platform to discuss it. Didn't have the, not the courage, but just like, didn't see, like when I was asked to do the show, I was like, what's the point? They just want to see my boobs and hear me talk about dong, don't they? And everyone's like, no, no, talk about your mom. I'm like, oh no, that's a terrible Uh, idea. That's a sad story. Nobody wants to hear that sad story. hmm. But in our storytelling, in, in music and in television and film and we're all telling the human story. We're all part of the human story. Mm. And the power of relating, the power of strangers having something so in common, it makes you feel less crazy, mm. basically. You know, I was like, I'm the only person who feels like this. When I was a kid, I'm like, I'm the only person who feels like this. And I feel so much. I feel so much. I shouldn't even be alive. I'm too sensitive. Mm. And sometimes I still feel like that. But that's that's the way I move through the world. And it's it's a lot for some people to take. It, it used to be I, st- I was always kind of like this, I think, defensively, because I was I grew up on a prep school campus. Yeah, it was a boys all boys school until 76. Hmm. And so I was seven years old when some women started, some girls started going to school there. And so I just learned how to fight. I knew how to nut punch somebody when I was four, learn how to be tough. And then I. I started to get an idea of the nastiness of gossip. God bless the fact that you and I were not little kids during the internet. Oh my God. I I don't think I could have survived it. I really don't. I was just like you, super sensitive, but also I would want a response, you know? Oh yeah, totally. So I started to overshare. So nothing could be discovered of me. It was like oversharing defensive honesty. Mm. because I saw girls who looked like really perfect and really pretty and they were really sweet or whatever, but they, someone, Oh, she threw a tampon down the toilet and it got flooded. Ah, and then forever. Oh, that's period girl. It's like horrible. Wow, cruel. And I would just, I would, I would get up from class and be like, got to change your pad soaking because you're not going to discover that <laughs> about me. There's going to be so much that comes out of my own mouth about me. That's totally embarrassing. <laughs> then everyone's going to be like, oh, my God. Ugh. And they're going to it's going to be like just a barrage of awful. And so That's nothing could be discovered. such an amazing strategy. It's just like I got there first. You want to check out the memoir? Yeah. Okay, what about these songs? My history is out there for y'all. That's y'all. right. Yeah, you can't. Awesome. Nothing, nothing has more power than a secret. Yeah. Then right. a, then a, then a secret because there's so much shame around secrets. Yeah. And it's just like, own it, man. You're a human being, you know, and I grew up in the Episcopalian. It's kind of like Catholic, only they're like, you're probably going to touch yourself. It's not that big a deal. Um, so. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's I am, true. I want to ask you about, I know for me, um, Jesus, I could not wait until three o'clock when I could open the wine. I could not <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was a coping mechanism. I knew it. I just said, look, I have this one thing that I do. And I'm curious how you view your coping mechanisms. That we um, well, all relied on. Oh yeah, I am definitely uh, my my addiction tooth 
definitely was sweetened up for sure. <laughs> and a lot of people were like, you know what? It's COVID. Just, just give yourself a break. I'm like, no, I think I'm going to give my liver a break. So I did. Um, the thing that helped me the most was the fact that the bulk of the lockdown was in the summer. Yeah. So I could go, I could go camping, exercise. I could go exercise yeah. and I yeah. could limit my intake, but absolutely I drank way more. Yeah. And one thing I've been, um, oh, and I started like having a cigarette every once in a while. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> so, so people see me, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just my lungs. It's yeah. just whatever. It's just my money maker. It's like a ballet dancer who has a habit of smashing her foot with a brick. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah, I I definitely drank more and that became a habit. But I would like go away and stop for a week and just like yeah. watch my hand. I'm like, am I shaking? Am I having yeah. DTs? But I never got that bad. And I, yeah. I'm anemic, so I have to get blood work all the time. And I was like, can you check my liver? And they're like, you're fine. I'm like, rad. But what I learned was also, and I've been telling people this, reminding people of this, I've, I hear friends bemoaning parents and bemoaning other friends and bemoaning family members going, the fucking God, they're driving me crazy. Da, 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 da. I'm like, mm. everybody's crazy right now. Yeah. We've all been in a crate and being told horrible things were happening and we're going to get worse. The human brain cannot sustain mystery for very long. Yeah. We need to know that there's going to be floor when we take a step forward. We need to know there's going to be clean air when we take a breath. Yeah. We need to know that we can we can eat and feed our families. There, there are certain things, basic things, and knowing what day it is and where we're headed and we have a purpose is definitely one of them. And that was all taken away. So everybody's lost their mooring. They're reaching for alcohol, reaching for comfort, reaching yeah. for whatever. And I say this to myself, I'm like, dude, patience, be kind to yourself because everybody's mental. Um, we're not going to go back to normal. Things are going to definitely be different, but just give yourself a break. Give your mom a break. Give your friend who's being completely needy and awful and annoying. Give them a break. Yeah. Give everybody a break. I mean, it's sad. We've lost so many people, but the fact that it was happening to everyone everywhere yeah. Not just Oregon, not just women. It was a collective, a human collective calamity. I mean, I believe that most humans are, are naturally kind of empathetic, but I also believe that empathy is limited by your experience. Yeah. Like walk a mile in my shoes. Like, yeah, I, mm, to be empathetic and to have compassion for somebody else's issue it really helps to have had that issue yourself. Oh God, so true. I We had a rule here at our house. It was called nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> and the idea was, it is so stupid to think about ending anything right now. Even if you must end it eventually, it is a really discouraged from doing it during a time where you can't move without, you know, movers telling you that they'll charge you $150 an hour just because of the pandemic rule. And also just because it's going to be different once we can get back to real life. We'll be seeing you live in person. So do you have any plans? Are you coming back to the stage? Um, I am slowly and carefully. Pink Martini and I are going to Omaha, Nebraska for an outdoor, socially distant outdoor orchestra gig. And then I'm going to Indiana, Carmel, Indiana, to perform with Michael Feinstein at his new club, but they're at a third capacity. Yeah. So it's still tentative, careful baby steps, but the vaccine rollout is so far 
doing really well. And a lot of people are already been jabbed and, and things are opening up there. We still have to proceed with caution, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to God, just selfies, like throwing my arm around somebody yeah. and hugging somebody and like getting signing autographs and yeah, jumping into the, jumping into the audience and running around and, and singing at people, you know, singing is like, a, I'm, I'm like a super spreader in the other sense, I know. other than, you know, how you usually know me. Um. <laughs> so Storm, I want to talk a little bit about the wisdom that came out of your pajama sessions, if you can. And maybe you could, I don't know if you can think about this, but we always like to leave people with like simple tools that they can use for their own mental health and well-being and also to try to achieve the kind of authenticity you bring to the world. So can you think about some of those things from pajama sessions, advice that you gave people for how to get along and put them into a few tips for us? Well, one thing I always, this is from before the pandemic, I would find myself in a dressing room in, you know, France somewhere and I'd be exhausted. I've been having an allergic reaction to some dust, my old pillow. Cause we're in some old town. I'm all puffy. I'm so tired. And I've got five shows in a row and I feel like I'm catching a cold and I'm, I'm just exhausted. And we have to sleep on the, on the bus overnight. And the bus is really scary and the drivers are perv. And it's like, Oh, so I'll look in the mirror and I'll start putting on my makeup and make a pouty face and be like, <laughs> I just, I catch myself and go, Hey, you're a touring fucking musician. You are in your forties and now your fifties. People still think you're hot. People still will buy tickets to come see you. You put on your fucking makeup and you stop complaining because you know what? The things that you're reacting to that you're calling problems is in the spank tank of at least a hundred thousand people. They would kill to have your problems. So buck up. You can be sad. You can be lonely. You can be tired, but don't make it a huge thing. And so that was the same thing with this as sad and as angry and out of out of control that I felt I was like I am in such a better position because I know even if we're locked down for two years I still have an audience and the pajama sessions really were taking everyone's temperatures just be like how is everybody are mm -hmm. you guys okay just checking in so I would just say I mean this is really old advice from old like self-help books and stuff. But when you are tearing at yourself mentally, which is I'm great. My inner critic is a asshole tearing me apart. What did you do today? Oh, you drank. Oh, good for you. Oh, did you have a cigarette? Good for you, dipshit. Uh, 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 uh. You yeah. haven't written anything. You're old. You're the, 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 the. I would just say when you start to go down those spirals, imagine that person talking to someone you love more than anything. Mm. And what would you mm. say? Mm. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. You don't talk to my don't talk to my girl like that. Yeah. And be your girl. Be mm. your best friend. Be your daughter. Be your mother. Be your grandmother. It's like you do not get to do that because you're just reacting to the feeling right now. Mm. These are not facts. These are just feelings going unchecked. And what the brain does, as you know, the brain has a you have a feeling you feel bad. The brain just goes, why do we feel bad? Why do we feel bad? Oh, it's because you, yeah. you, uh -huh. you drank, you're a bad person, you know, right. ah, just break that cycle just by like, okay, well, I hear you, but don't you dare talk to me that way. Talk yeah, to me hard. also, uh, Storm, just about the quality of movement in your life and what 
moving your body every day does for you? It makes me less likely to commit homicide. I, I have this saying, I sweat so I don't kill. Seriously, <laughs> because I'm like a pony. I have to work out. I have to move my body. I have to like, even if I'm in pain, I'm like, I don't care. Walk it off. I have to do something physical or I get gummed up and all my energy gets caught up and I'm not hungry and I don't, I don't want to do anything. And then it lends itself to another cycle of just ennui and yeah. lethargy. And, and then it's a self-fulfilling kind of thing. Like, Oh, you're yeah. a piece of shit. You're lazy. And you're no, 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 no. No, I, I get outside at any opportunity, rain, rain or shine, yeah. walk, just a walk. I want to read one of your incredible statements that you made in one of your pajama sessions. You said, we're all up and down. We're angry, sad, scared, and then we're okay. We're seeing glimmers of light and the depths of darkness. We're, we're all experiencing the same things at different times and different levels. It's like grief. And grief is a kind of madness that can't be predicted. But there's also a lot of beauty, grace, magic, and miracles that we may not be aware of. Just remember all those times that are fucking dark that you've gotten through and remember those times. I um, took that out and I was like, dude, you should be a right. Oh, God, you already are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you well, already I, I, are. I got. I, I. I need to write another book. I've been working on another book, but uh, we'll see. So, yeah. for those who feel hopeless or grieving or feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, do you have any other suggestions, Storm? Any thoughts to leave people with? The fact that you feel despair, the fact that you feel hope slipping away, the fact that you feel fear and fear of anything bad happening to you, to loved ones, that is proof and evidence in and of itself that you love this life mm -hmm. and that there is so much more to live for and you care. That's all that means. The fact that you feel so much, it means you care. Mm. And, um, and that is everything. Like I, when I was a kid, I, I equated feeling with weakness. Mm. Feeling is powerful. And so when you're feeling really dark or down or whatever, just give great thanks to the fact that you have a heart mm. that feels things. And in a life, there's definitely going to be dark moments that you cannot control nor stop, but luckily they won't be your fault. So there's that also. Yeah. And, and also gratitude at all times, gratitude at all times. There's always something to be thankful for. Always. I'm so glad you're doing this, Sheila, because mental illness and mental challenges and emotional challenges are so quickly becoming less and less taboo and more universally accepted and mm -hmm. not vilified as uh, we don't talk about that. And that makes right. it worse makes it totally worse. So I think I should just do this song because it's to that point. Call me crazy Cause I am And alive Oh, I am alive that's the way I turn a nosedive into flight. Call me psycho. Ooh, ah, cause 
I am, Lord, and I am alive. Thank God I am alive. I make music out of those voices in my mind. And this crazy helps me to see this as funny. Makes me feel rich with the money, honey pie. Then my brain, it goes over and over it. God, I know I can't get away from the shadow. Land mine. Call me later, ooh, just to see. See that I got from life, and I am alright. I'm just kidding, you know me. I'll be fine. Just this crazy helps me to see this is funny. Makes me feel great with no money, honey. the first time I've actually felt like I'm in the room with someone storm. <laughs> oh good. Yeah. Oh that was I so love beautiful. You too, honey. I, I love, love you too. so much. Uh, good luck in Los Angeles with the yet to be announced amazing yes. thing that's happening in your life and all the various ways that you bring storm to us. I love you so much. Take good care I love storm. You, Sheila. Thank you so much and take care everybody. And that was the show. Thanks for your support of Beyond Well. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and spread the word to your friends. If you want to reach me individually, you can always reach out at Sheila at Beyond Well Media. And I hope you make it a great day. Fora Health is a nonprofit alcohol and drug treatment center in Portland, Oregon, that has been helping youth, adults, and families for nearly 50 years. They offer compassionate, comprehensive, and affordable care for everyone, regardless of background, orientation, or ability to pay. Fora recently opened a new state-of-the-art campus in Portland's Southeast Gateway District, and the entire campus is healing and supportive. You can find out more about their full array of evidence-based therapies for drug and alcohol treatment at www.forahealth.org. If you or a loved one needs support, there are many options and personalized approaches to care. Reach out to Fora Health at 503-535-1151 or see the show notes for more details.